baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk. On Demand Audio. He, he wouldn't be talking about this if he didn't acknowledge that the economy is doing pretty damn well, on it, particularly for people who, in fact, need the most help. <laughs> so the economy only works if you don't. Am I understanding that correctly? I, I don't know what Joe Biden's talking about there. He must not have been to the grocery store recently to deal with the Biden inflation we're having to deal with. Uh, just about everywhere in our lives right now. I wanted to play that real quick, though, because the focus in Washington, D.C. right now is on the budget deal. And and Chuck Schumer, who prays at the altar of big government, is, uh, uh, you know, angry that there are a group of conservatives who don't agree with Mike Johnson on this budget deal. I've got Congressman Eric Burleson on the phone this morning from Missouri's 7th Congressional District. And Congressman, welcome back. Hey, Mark. Good to be back. It's good to have you on here. So what, where do you stand on the, the Mike Johnson deal with uh, Chuck Schumer and, and uh, the White House? Yeah, I'm not just a no. I'm a hell no. This is a horrible, horrible deal. Um, th- and this is how bad it is, in my opinion, is that it, it exceeds the numbers that Nancy Pelosi had last year. So we're not only spending as much, we're spending more than the bloated, crazy spending that under Nancy Pelosi. And I, I just don't understand how a Republican majority uh, can can uh, tout that, you know, that we're going to be fiscally conservative when we are spending more than Pelosi did. Congressman, this is Kim. You know, you kind of talked about how a lot of people, yourself included, are not happy with the way that this deal is structured. How do you think Mike Johnson is doing overall as speaker? Because I know there have been threats to potentially oust him. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I'm i frustrated. I think that he's a good person. I think he wants to do the best thing. Unfortunately, I think that he gives up before the fight starts. And, uh, and I think that we, at the end of the day, you're not going to get anything if you don't fight for it. If you, and, if you, and the other thing is, is that you have to be willing to risk things in order to go into fight. That means it's going to be painful. It's not going to be fun. But we didn't come up here to be everybody's friend. We came up here to fix and save America. And so when last year's Nancy Pelosi's budget was, was $1.629 billion, I'm sorry, trillion dollars, $1.6 trillion of discretionary spending, this one is $1.659. So $30, $30 billion more than Pelosi's budget of last year. Now, to put that in perspective, how bad this is, we are spending at COVID levels, COVID-era levels, wow. and we're not in COVID, okay? That 1.629 is st- us still you know, making all these crazy payments that were the inflationary payments out of COVID. If we returned to the COVID trajectory or the pre-COVID trajectory, you know, it, in other words, if you took a chart of how much money the federal government was spending, even though they were still deficit spending, and I think that they were in fiscal insanity at that point, even before COVID, 
then if you took that trajectory and you plotted it out to today, including inflation, it would be we would be spending one point four seven trillion dollars. Okay, so that is one hundred and fifty billion dollars less than what Pelosi spent, and nearly two hundred billion dollars. But we're end up spending two hundred billion dollars more than uh, what we what really were pre-COVID era spending. It's, it, those numbers are just hard to wrap your brain around. And then we find out that two-thirds of government spending, right, is locked in, and there and there's not much you can do about it. It's non-discretionary, right? Right. And that and I and I get that, Mark, and I think that we need to talk about the non-discretionary spending, but do you really think that, that this, this place, that these politicians who can't cut things like um, – who can't cut things like food stamps or or even the simple things like money going to a new FBI building. If this Congress can't make those kind of cuts, how in the world are we going to expect them to actually fix the re- have address the real problems in the in the mandatory spending? Yeah, there's yeah. no political courage whatsoever to do that. So, I, in my opinion, fight the low hanging take. Go after the low-hanging fruit, which is the discretionary spending, especially non-defense discretionary spending, um, things like checks that we're writing to other countries, right? All this foreign aid. Th- those are the kind of things that we need to be dramatically cutting. But we're, but unfortunately, this Congress is not um, willing to fight and do that at this time. Well, yeah, that's a shame. Okay. Hopefully, you know, we keep up the good fight. I, I imagine – Mike Johnson stays in power for now, but I know there's a lot of frustration with him. Congressman, what is your take on uh, the results in Iowa? I mean, I, I I don't see this as even being a two-person race anymore. Donald Trump is running away with it, but the media still acts like it, there's a contest here. Yeah, I, I think that it's over, and I think it was over months and months ago, uh, and I think that Donald Trump is the right candidate for a time. I don't. He is a... He's unlike anyone else. How many people do you know can draw a crowd like almost like you two or yeah. <laughs> Taylor Swift on crowd like levels in, in that's a political figure? He he brings a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm that we've never seen before and, uh, I, and, and a lot of boldness. And I I can't wait to see what an unchained Donald Trump will do. Um, whenever he does, he's not worried about the bureaucracy and not worried about uh, making friends. Uh, he just wants to do what's best for America. You know, I appreciate what Vivek Ramaswamy did when he dropped out after Iowa. He's now put his support behind Trump. He's rallying with him in New Hampshire. I question if Ron DeSantis would do the same thing because I assume, and, and Mark, I think you agree with me, we don't think he's going to make it past certainly South Carolina. What do you think? How do you envision that playing out? Because I think the, you know, the I Republicans have to unite at this point. Yeah, and I think that it's hard. Sometimes it gets it's hard whenever the um, when you've been punched so many times to turn around and get behind the person that's been punching you. I know yeah. that Ted yeah. Cruz find that found that pretty difficult. Now Ted Cruz, Trump had said or suggested that his father was part of the Kennedy assassination and that his wife was not attractive. That those are <laughs> fighting words. <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah. If you remember, so that would be a little. I have to admit, I'd have a hard time uh, bouncing off back from that one. But I, but at the end of the day, I think that DeSantis, um, 
you know, Haley, they, they all need to recognize that, that what's best for the country is to allow the Trump to focus his attention on Joe Biden. Yeah, I could not agree more with that for sure. Congressman Eric Burleson, always uh, great having you on here. Thank you for your time. Thank you. You have a great day. Yeah, we'll talk again soon. Uh, yeah, I mean, a, a, a very honest answer from him there. It would be hard to turn the other cheek sometimes mm-hmm. depending on how bad the insults had been. But that's why I'm surprised sometimes. Like, for example, uh, Joe Biden picking Kamala Harris. I mean, obviously, when you're debating, you're going to throw some some names out and say some things that would be considered hurtful. And then you flip right back around and say, hey, I'd like to have you as my VP. Yeah, I, I that's why I don't see that, particularly in the Haley case. I, I don't see that uh, happening. And and I mean, I would be really surprised if it was somebody like Tulsi Gabbard. But my guess is we'll see a safe pick like a Tim Scott or a Christy Noem or someone mm-hmm. like that. I don't think he'd pick Carrie Lake because it looks like she's going to win that Senate seat in Arizona. She's ahead in all the polls. I used to think it would be her. I, I yeah. don't think it is no, anymore. I would agree with that completely. Get more at 971talk.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.